Cyberbullying is a problem that we hear a lot about, but normally it's in the context of a client cyberbullying a veterinary professional. But what happens when veterinary professionals cyberbully each other? This week we have a guest who has experienced cyberbullying herself as well as a therapist to help us all understand how we can cope with the pressures of online bullying. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And one of the topics that we hear over and over again that our veterinary colleagues are concerned about is cyberbullying. However, most of the conversation centers around what happens when clients take out their anger and frustration in an aggressive tone online. But this week, we want to spin that equation on its head. What happens when veterinary professionals turn on each other and cyberbully us? This week, we really are excited to bring to you a story that is actually happening right now. And then we've got a specialized therapist who's going to tell us how to deal with it. But before we get into all of that, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And viewfinders, you know, we really appreciate you guys reaching out to us when you have a topic or a concern or something that you think needs to be discussed here on the Veterinary Viewfinder. And this next story is like that. Um, one of my colleagues reached out to me a couple of months ago saying, hey, something is happening and it's not right. And this has to do with cyberbullying. And I just, we're going to have her share the story. And then it just kept happening. And so I want to introduce you to Dr. Crystal Heath. She is a California-based veterinarian. She primarily works in high-quality, high-volume spay and neuter animal shelters. So she does a lot in the animal shelter and rescue world. And she has been the victim of cyberbullying. And so I'm so, so thrilled and grateful for Dr. Heath bringing her story to us so that we can learn and hopefully overcome. So Crystal, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on the show and and wanting to discuss this issue because it's it's a really it's a challenging issue and a challenging time for me right now. I'm, you know, afraid that even anything that I might say on this show might end up um, being used against me again online by these same groups of people who are targeting me unfairly. Um, yeah, I mean, it. I am pretty active online on social media. Um, I am a shelter veterinarian. I rely regularly on Facebook groups to share cases and discuss um, issues in veterinary medicine with my colleagues. Um, I'm a member of many groups. I was also in 4-H as a kid, a leader of my 4-H club. Um, so I'm involved in a lot of 4-H groups as well. Um, I have a horse. I was active in dressage and I'm involved in a lot of horse groups as well. Um, so um, I posted um, that I was looking for like a livestock veterinarian to shadow um, because I was interested in their job. I mean, this is how I got into shelter medicine is I shadowed a shelter veterinarian and she was kind enough to have me tag along and see how her day was. And it inspired me to enter a career in shelter medicine that has been a very rewarding career. And it's um, something I would have never thought of doing prior to going to vet school. 
Um, so um, after I posted this, um, people started saying things like I was part of this animal rights group that was going to go undercover and film, you know, farms and stuff. And then they made this meme about me that said, beware, Dr. Crystal Heath. Um, she has nothing good in mind for our profession. And she is a dangerous animal rights activist. Um, and it, it was just devastating. And then I actually didn't see this meme. A bunch of my colleagues saw this and sent it to me and took screenshots. And um, some of the people in the shelter medicine groups I was in um, messaged me as well and were like, what is what is this? What's going on? And it, it was they almost like half believed it, even though they know me and know who I am and what I do um, there. You know, I had to like sort of defend myself from them as well. Um, and it was really, it was really scary. And, you know, I sought out a bunch of advice from colleagues. I'm like, what should I do? And they're like, oh, don't worry. Just it'll go away. It'll settle down. Um, I had my friends screenshot everything and save it. So people told me I should contact a lawyer. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do that. That just, I'm not that kind of person. I'm not a litigious person. This is going to go away and it's going to blow over. But then every time I posted anything on these groups, um, people would bring up like, oh, this is the dangerous animal rights activist again. Um, and it kept coming up. There was there's a large private veterinary message board um, that costs a lot of money to join. Um, the, the founder of that message board then posted these same concerns. And it it makes people very skeptical of who I am and what my intentions are. That's what it, there's nothing, no clear like accusations other than like, I'm going to go undercover and film people, which was absolutely not my plan at all. I wanted to legitimately learn about the job as a livestock veterinarian. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to like sit here and, um, hold on, scratch that. You can delete that part. <laughs> um, so it was just, it was very scary and I didn't know what to do, who to turn to. Um, I felt very alone, but at the same time, there were also many people coming up and supporting me and saying, um, you know, I, I believe what you're, what you believe and, you know, we're on the same side and, you know, so that's been very good. So Crystal, just just to to back up for just a second, had have you ever done anything where you've taken like undercover photos or screenshots of secret Facebook groups and then shared them with animal rights groups as as this this meme suggested? Absolutely not. Right. So this is a completely unfounded. Someone obviously had a beef with you. I mean, you're you're like me. We're both vegans. We're involved with a lot of different things to try to help improve animal welfare. Mm -hmm. and, and just viewfinder, so you know, the group that that made this meme, this is what they call themselves. And this doesn't exist. This is made up by probably just one person, but the group is called Vigilant Administrators of Veterinary Facebook Groups. So check them out online. I'm sure they exist not, okay? I, I was mean, not even aware of that, that there right, was. Right, so, so that's who actually, when she brought this to my attention, that's who I found, that's who authored this, the Vigilant 
Facebook administrators of veterinary Facebook groups, whatever it is. And, and it says, you know, it says, uh, Crystal Heath has an agenda that doesn't include anything positive for our profession. Well, Crystal, remind us again, who you work in a shelter? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been to Fiji like three times to help the animals over there. I've mentored many of my colleagues, trained many veterinarians in high quality, high volume spay neuter. I regularly help out my colleagues. Um, like this is just an outrageous accusation. Right. And, and basically it goes on to say Crystal Heath publicly expresses a fondness for Animal Liberation Front and Earth Liberation Front. Those are two pretty extreme groups. I like even checked. I'm like, maybe like I followed them, like I follow politicians I don't necessarily agree with, but I actually haven't. Like I haven't followed them on my so social what, media. So again, where is this coming from? Like, is this just somebody who said, oh, she's one of those vegan vets? I mean, I don't, I don't like how did this is this is insane. And I don't even use the the vegan word to describe myself personally. Um, so it, I, it's just, even though I don't consume any animal products, it's just like not a word that I really identify with. But um, I do just, I do speak out regularly about the atrocities of factory farming and ag gag laws, um, our recent case of ventilation shutdown, um, and, and and we're working together on that. So there's a, a something called Veterinarians Against Ventilation Shutdown, VAVSD.org, which we'll be talking about more in upcoming episodes. But Crystal, I mean, again, so people may object to your opinions on factory farming. Heck, I, I've written a book about it, okay? So I, we get it. I'm a, a colleague and maybe, you know, I'm a swine practitioner. I go, oh, I don't really agree with your opinion. But basically what they've done is fabricate this story that says you're kind of an undercover agent for some animal extremist groups. Is that is that kind of what I'm hearing here? Yeah, that's exactly what they're they're claiming I am. And um it the the lie keeps spreading. It's like I, I and I can't even comment on these threads anymore because it seems like the more I respond, the more they push back and I there's a, a deeper hole that I have to dig myself out right. of. And, and that's why we've got Julie Squires, a therapist here who specializes in helping veterinary professionals through these sorts of ordeals. So we're going to talk to her in just a little bit about some of the things you should or shouldn't be doing when it comes to responding perhaps to some of these threads on here. But, you know, Crystal, as I'm listening to your story, you know, I'm thinking, okay, look, you know, I, I've, I mean, many veterinarians, including myself, we've been the target of groups, right? And I mean, there was a well-orchestrated attack on me several years ago by an anti-declaw uh, group, which Becky is quite hilarious if you think about it, because how many episodes have we dedicated on this podcast alone to anti-declawing, you know? But but yet I found myself, you know, having my Twitter and Facebook <laughs> feed flooded by people going, oh, you mutilate cats. No, no, I, I actually tell people not to do that. But but Becky, what, you know, give me some, I, this is one vet who other vets or vet professionals have sort of turned on her for whatever reason, a, a wide variety of reasons. But what are you hearing out there? I mean, are vet technicians also experiencing things like this? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm glad we have the opportunity to talk about it on a higher level because what's happening to Dr. Crystal is, you know, it's like super frustrating um, in her personal situation. And, and I'm very sorry for this personal situation that's going on with her. But I think on the higher level, we're seeing this and it's kind of that thing where I'm like, it's like COVID. I just want it to go away. Why are we still talking about it? And then people are like, hey, you got you to talk about this because it's still happening. And every time you're 
you know, going to social media and I, and I do some work with the Not One More Veterinary Support Staff group on Facebook where people have access for anonymous posts and like we're running into some like serious, serious, like actually um, I feel like emotionally altering situations like like truly kind of changing who you are how you feel about this profession um really hurtful things among from each other and then that is even on top of the fact that we are now I cannot tell you how many times um I have recently heard people have had to put up actual signs, actual notices, actual communication that says you have to be kind to our staff. So I don't know if this is secondary um, to the abuse that we tend to get from our clients. I don't know if this is secondary to what we know is a shame culture in our schools. I don't know if this is secondary to what I love is that whole super chicken concept. And if you haven't looked up super chicken, look them up because it's, it's an amazing study. Um, But it is everywhere and it's awful and it has to stop. Yeah. And so Crystal, Becky brings up a number of really good points here. And, And obviously we know this is global and universal. And I've mentioned, you know, we've all probably had our own story that we could tell about being attacked online. But Crystal, you know, you and I are veterinarians. I think the the really the, what stung me the most was to think that my colleagues, people that we went through the same process to earn that DVM degree, would then turn on you without any evidence to support that allegation. I mean, is that how you feel too? Just gutted? Yeah, I absolutely do. I felt like I couldn't believe the names of people who were turning on me, and I'm, I, I thought better of them, and I thought, you know, if I thought my reputation and. I'm pretty well known in the shelter medicine world. Um, my trips to Fiji have been documented on television. Um, I, I, I didn't think that uh, that could happen to me, and I thought pretty much I was immune to it. Um, so it was, it was quite shocking. So, Crystal, what what have you done, like on a personal level, like because now I want to kind of shift over to to Julie Squires for a second. But, Crystal, how how have you responded? Like when it first started, when your friends said, "Hey, have you seen this meme that's going around about you?" What did you do? Um, I reached out to friends and people I really respected and told them what was happening, and I cried about it for a little bit. Um, and I told them, screenshot everything, save it in a folder. I'm not going to look at it. I didn't go online. I didn't, you know, I stopped reading the posts Um, and I just commiserated with my friends. And a lot of people had similar stories, um, not online, but especially like in vet school, the things that we had to do. Um, I remember in my vet school interview, they asked me, um, hey, have you ever if if you had to do like a terminal surgery um, where you had to euthanize the animal that you practice surgery on? Like, would you do that if that animal's purpose was, you know, to be your teaching model for surgery? And I had the conversation in my interview about like, well, isn't the the goal of surgery to um, see how they do when they recover? That's like one of the most important parts is are they pain free? Are they doing well afterwards? If we just euthanize them, then um, we won't learn that aspect of it. Um, and then I, luckily UC Davis didn't do terminal surgeries anymore, but, um, Dr. Shurston Rosenberg, um, who went to UC Davis many years before me, um, had this horrifying story she shared where she, um, didn't want to participate in the terminal surgeries, but, um, got a cadaver dog and, um, they, uh, 
knew of another uh, group that um, saved their surgery dog named Becky. And um, they, uh, the surgery dog um, ended up being adopted out and not euthanized, thank God. Um, and But eventually got out and wound up back in the shelter and back into the surgery lab. And they begged the teacher and pleaded for Becky's life. Um, and the teacher said, we will um, save this dog if another group is willing to give up their surgery seat, take the cadaver dog, and then your group, Dr. Rosenberg, you'll have to fail the class so that another group can take your surgery dog so you can save this dog's life. And this is legitimate, guys. This actually happened. This actually happened. And um, they none of the other groups would give up um, their patient for the cadaver dog. So Becky had to be euthanized that day. And it was one of the most horrifying experiences of her life. Um, the dean afterwards begged her not to, you know, go to groups um, and report it. And so she didn't. She was young um, at the time and didn't report it or anything, but felt very alone. Yeah, it's a crazy story. And I will say, I'm going to save this viewfinders towards the end. Crystal has taken this tragedy and this particular episode about like some of the things in vet school that just shouldn't happen anymore. She's turned it positively. But now I do want to spin it positively towards Julie Squires. Julie Squires, again, is a certified compassion fatigue specialist. She's also a certified life coach. She works almost exclusively with veterinary professionals. Julie, based on what you just heard, what do you make of this? Oh, well, thanks for having me on the show, Dr. Ward and Dr. Heath. I really, I feel for you. I hear your story and I want to be able to offer you, again, just some perhaps advice and for anybody else who's listening as it relates to things like this. You know, we're living in this very interesting time where everybody has a voice and a microphone. We call it, you know, social media, right? So everyone can express their own opinions and their beliefs. And they like to do so. And one of the things that you're butting up against is you are finding yourself at the crossroads where you're co you're contradicting or pushing against other people's beliefs. And when that happens, our natural inclination is to fight back. So that's why people respond the way they do when they are all of a sudden approach with something that's either contrary to what they believe uh, as it relates to how we view animals and, you know, that comes up all the time. But one of the things that as it relates to solutions about this, you know, if we could control other people, I would be all for it. But we can't control other people. We can't control what they say. And and I get that this is hard because we've all been socialized to look externally for our validation right? We've all been socialized to look to other people to be like, am I okay? Am I worthy? Am I enough? And now we find ourselves in a time where people have opinions about us and they're not always favorable. And if we don't know who we are, if we don't stand firmly about what we believe about ourselves and choose what we believe about ourselves and who we are, if we give that power to other people, we are, we are doing ourselves a enormous disservice. So you have to let people be wrong about you. And I know it goes against your brain because your brain wants everyone to like you. I get it. I'm human too. I want everyone to like me and I have to work really hard on this. But, you know, the fact remains that when we are feeling like we're 
being ostracized or um, outed to any degree by our group. Like our brain literally sees that as a threat to our survival. So naturally, like we literally have to some degree a stress response about that. But one of the things that I do want to talk about is the words that we use about this, because I, I do want to sort of de-escalate a little bit here and, and just go with me for a second. We use the words bully, we use the words victim, and we use the words attack. Now, the reason I'm bringing that up is because, and again, this is, you know, commonplace, like we've all kind of um, absorbed this vernacular, if you will. But, but ultimately what is happening is people are saying words. People are posting words. People are saying words. Our brain then interprets this as, oh my gosh, this is bullying. I'm being attacked. Now, we can be physically attacked, but our other people's words cannot attack us. And if you believe that they do, then you're disempowering yourself. And like I said earlier, then you give your power away to other people. We don't want to do that. When we identify as a victim, that means we need to have a villain. So, so much about what I teach is, okay, there are times when we are the victim. There's no question about it. We are the victim in the moment and we can be the victim, you know, of a crime. We can be the victim in the moment that somebody says something about us. Sure. But then do we perpetuate that victim mentality or do we regain ourselves to be like, all right, you know what? You have your opinion about me. I'm not even going to go there anymore. I'm not even going to give you my time and attention, which is why so many people don't even look at their social media feed, right? Think about celebrities. They disconnect completely from their social media feed because they don't even want to see this stuff. I totally get it. I totally get it. But I, I, I will leave you with these words from one of my favorite teachers, Byron Katie, and she says, the first act of war is defense. And... I think that's really powerful in things like this. There are times we just need to walk away. We really just need to walk away and shut it down and go on with our lives of helping animals in the shelter and making a difference where you can. Yeah, I just worry that like these words do hurt me. They hurt my potential job prospects if my name is smeared out there in the public. Is some shelter going to be worried that uh, I'm going to, you know, defame them and, you know, videotape them like behind the scenes. Luckily, no shelters have. I'm welcomed in the shelter community with open arms to any shelter. But, you know, if I ever run for a leadership position in uh, my local veterinary medical association, is this going to affect me? Um, and it, is it going to change the way my colleagues interact with me? Um, and am I going to lose opportunities because of this? You know, Crystal, I'll take a stab at that, having ventured not only into politics, but obviously into writing books and stating my opinion publicly more than once and inserting my foot in my big mouth many times. Uh, you know, yes, things, doors close, but kind of like Julie's trying to say, I think other doors open. So I, I don't, you know, what, what bothers me the most about this is, come on, veterinarians out there, you know, you gotta, you gotta follow the evidence. You know, it's gotta be evidence-based medicine. You know, where's your study? What grade is the evidence, you know? And here we go. We see a Facebook meme about a colleague and we instantly jump on board. Come on. Like Crystal, that's the part that, that ticks me off the most. Yeah, it does. And it has a cooling effect on the conversation. And um, I know many people, many veterinarians with similar views about um, factory farming and um, ag-gag laws and 
the like are afraid to voice their concerns and afraid to speak out because of the fear of retaliation. And animals are suffering because veterinarians aren't able to speak out and don't feel comfortable speaking out. Um, certain practices continue that need to be fought. And um, if we're not allowed, if we can't talk about it and we can't join together and find others who have similar views as us, then those animals will continue to suffer. And, you know, as much as the cyberbullying hurts me, my ego personally, I'm most worried about the animals out there who will continue to suffer. And Julie, I will say Crystal has incredible resiliency. I mean, she has taken so many other body blows that we're not going to talk about or get to talk about or probably should talk about today. I mean, she's taken a lot of serious hits. So I think emotionally Crystal has coping that's just phenomenal. But again, somebody who's listening today, Julie, out there and they're they're getting negative, you know, they post a picture of themselves up and somebody hates on it. What are the things that they can do? I mean, I, I get where you're going with de-escalating, don't jump back in, but but you know, what are the other things that maybe they can do to help build that resiliency within themselves? Well, the work is about the, it all the work is about self-belief. Like that's what's lacking. Like I said earlier, like what's what's lacking is what do I think of myself? And that is work that we all have to do because again, as a life coach, 99.9% of my clients, you know, feel like they're not something enough. Like that's part of the human condition. So the work really is it's the internal work of what do I want to believe about myself? Who am I? And am I willing to stand for animals even if everyone doesn't agree with me? So Becky, you know, another form of this, and I'm, I'm going to continue with the cyberbullying phrase, Julie, so just bear with me on that. <laughs> okay. but, but another part of this is what we've discussed on here many times, and that is sort of an authoritative figure in the clinic, a veterinarian, an owner, even a manager, just speaking dismissively over and over every day to uh, one of the veterinary technicians or support staff, right? I mean, you know, do you hear those kind of stories? Does it just erode that self-worth? And, and like Julie's saying, like, you know, hey, I get it, Julie. You know, it's about your self-worth. But you know, do you hear of, of texts who just go, man, I'm done? Yeah, every day. That's the hard part, right? Like it's every single day. And it is... Um it's it's management it is oftentimes the like practice owner is the veterinarian and then they have this spouse that comes in and ruins everything um and is like terrible and mean and you hear about all of these horror stories on a regular basis i i, I mean literally every single day of just terrible dynamics and terrible culture within the clinic. And then like there's this sprinkling of rainbow clinic claims, right? You always hear about the unicorn clinic, the 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 clinic that you know has the best culture and everybody gets along and the techs are utilized and there's this longing to be a part of that and to make that. And we are constantly talking about culture on this podcast and you know trying to help people introduce positive cultures and also to find the inner strength and empowerment to find that clinic culture for themselves. But I just think we have a very toxic culture in the veterinary industry. And I don't know that anybody really has put their finger on or will talk about the why. And for me, it, it becomes about why. Why are we here? Why are we like this? 
Yeah. And it's, Julie, for me, it's like crabs in a pot, right? So I, I want to kind of follow up with what Becky's saying there. So, you know, we are quick. I mean, we rally around veterinarians and veterinary technicians and support staff who are attacked by the public, the mean clients, right? The pandemic pressures, right? Like we all will, will round the wagons against that exterior force, but aren't we missing what's going on inside that circle of wagons sometimes? Aren't we like getting around and just doing a, a shoot off within our Ourselves? I mean, I think that's like the big topic that we just don't address enough in our profession. Are you following me with that? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I I think, I, I guess it's twofold for me. Like, first of all, we have to really understand some psychology here. And the psychology is that our thoughts create our feelings and our feelings fuel our behavior. We are all, we all, all of us behave the way we do because of how we feel. And the way we feel comes from what we think. So that relates to, clients as well as it relates to staff. And when you understand, because what ends up happening is, like I said, we can't control other people, but, and that's not to say that we can't shut people down and fire clients and all that stuff. Of course we can do things like that and I'm all for it. Um, and it's appropriate in certain times, but when we can, so much of what gets in the way is we start taking all of this stuff personally. And I'm not talking about Dr. Heath, you know, that is directed right at you. I get that. But I'm talking about when clients are cranky and being impatient, like we're taking all that personally and it's not personal. You know, yeah, I think that it's, there are a lot of times that our resiliency is down and it's harder to not feel the sting of it. I, I don't know that, there is even a consciousness around, you know, taking something personally so much as like, ouch, that stung. Um, and then the re- the resiliency is is brought back. Um, like I so I have three podcasts that I do. And one of the first comments I got on one of them was that my voice was literally painful, literally the words that were used painful. Um, that hurt my feelings so bad. Like I cried over that because I take a lot of pride in my work and um, actually get a lot of compliments on my voice. Thank you very much. But this person just like straight out was mean because they don't know me as a person. um, And they just decided that that was okay to do Um, because I was full of resilience that day. and, And it was, and I have a strong support system. My husband came home from work. I cried he made threats uh did a little background (laughs) checking (laughs) you know and um but I think that resiliency is a muscle and I think that resiliency is a limited resource and so how you know one do we build it in two when you're in a situation like Dr. Crystal's in right now when your resiliency bucket is like dumped over (laughs) Right? Like it's not a right, matter of a right. slow tap. They took it and shook it upside down. What do you do in that case? Yeah, for me, um, at least when when people take shots at me and I, I know other people too, I just go back to thinking about the animals and their suffering. And I still have to use my voice to raise awareness about what is going on. Um, my uncle is a great example of this. He's a, a racetrack veterinarian who spoke out against uh, some of the atrocities in the racehorse industry. Um, he was a very famous racetrack vet. Um, and then he uh, released statements to Sports Illustrated. A big article came out in Sports Illustrated in the 90s. Um, and he what he experienced a lot of backlash from the horse racing community for what he was saying. 
Um, but he bounced back from it. He's still very well respected in the racehorse community. I mean, it took a couple of years. He became the director of the large animal hospital um, and is now of the chair of the California Horse Racing Board. Um, and I hope I can use my voice to at least help defend some of the animals that way, change these systems that are in place that are um, harming animals on a daily basis. I mean, 70 billion animals a year are being raised for food and killed and destroying our environment. The workers working on those farms are experiencing horrific working conditions and, you know, they're nidises of the next pandemic. Um, so we, we really have to persevere and realize there's something much bigger than us. Yeah, and we just want it to be better. We just want it to be better. Yeah, and I, I find it interesting too, and um, I I just would be interested to know how important is it to understand the other side of the psychology. So you know, Julie, you spoke to um the the just that resiliency. We talked about the resiliency. Like you need to not take it personal and those types of things. How much of it is do you need to understand? Like I know we have to look at the person who is sort of taking those shots and think kind of what the psychology and with that person is to almost I don't even mean to make excuses but to maybe make peace with like that's an angry person or that's an insecure person or you know how much of it does us good to understand where this quote-unquote bullying comes from yeah well that's a and that's insightful because I think you know, well, like I was alluding to earlier, you're pushing up against when you're talking about animals for food. And Dr. Ward and I talked about this on my podcast, like you're pushing up against not only how people are raised, but now you're talking about veterinarians. And depending upon what discipline of vet med they're in, you're also pushing up against their profession. So of course, people are going to come up, their hackles are going to be up. The next part of that is, yeah, the psychology behind people, people who are making, we can, we can agree on this, people who are making memes of other colleagues in a derogatory way are not people who are loving their life. I mean, and, right. and I, I, it's <laughs> I, I, you're right. I love that. You're right. I mean, I, I'm sorry, but it's true. It's like it, but here's what's here's what is fascinating. And this might blow your mind because, you know, um, one of the things that that can happen is we can still find compassion for people who are closed minded. We can still find compassion for people who say mean things to us. We can still find compassion for people who disagree with us vehemently. And I tell you what, I'm not saying it's always easy, but you get your power back then. Yeah. And I just want to say, like, I think everybody got into this profession because our love of animals and compassion for animals. And um, we had to go through a lot, like since we were five years old, you know, developing a relationship with an animal, dreaming of being a veterinarian one day. Along the way, going through undergrad, being asked to do the things we have to do um, to get to become a veterinarian, each way, a little bit of that five-year-old self gets diminished. We have to do things that we don't necessarily agree with, that our deans and professors are telling us, you know, this is part of the hard truths of the job. Um, but systems change and um, people who feel that they are alone in their beliefs actually aren't. And that's what I want to do is, is raise awareness that you people are not alone. And these systems that are in place 
have changed in the past. We have definitely elevated the way we treat animals and they will continue to to change. Well, I guess I just want to, you know, I I was not personally involved with this back and forth that happened um, for you. And I and I'm sorry that it happened. But what I what I want to say is that whatever you were speaking to were on and the points that you are feeling passionate about and the thing that fills your cup, you know, I just want to support you in like the you do you thing here, because truthfully, um, you know, we look back and we we did a lot of things that we decided later were unethical. There's a lot of our past. Hey, there's lots to talk about it lately <laughs> that we've turned around. Right. And so right. this isn't actually right or OK. And so um, I think sometimes we need more people who are willing to, um, you know, stand up for what they believe in, even if they're standing alone. And so um, I just want to kind of give you that support and, and appreciate that you'll continue to stand by what's important to you, not because you're worried about being popular and and, you know, to just try to give you the encouragement to be resilient against what you have going on for you, because, you know, you're doing good things and and um, inspiring people, more people than you're pissing off. Well, Viewfinders, I promised you early in the podcast that Dr. Crystal Heath has taken this tragedy and turned it into triumph. Uh, so Crystal, share with us a little bit about what you're working on right now, and then I'll kind of share what you and I have been working on together. So yeah, so many people have shared with me their stories of times they kind of felt that they were having to... to they're being challenged with um, ethical dilemmas in their training or in their work. And um, they wanted to share that story and let people know that they aren't alone and that you can stand up to these systems and these institutionalized systems of violence. Um, So we created this website called ourhonor.org. This website shares the stories of veterinarians who felt that they had to stand up for the animals and stand against their um, superiors who were forcing them to act in a way that they felt was unethical. Um, Sometimes they succeeded, sometimes they didn't, Um, but it's gonna give a space for others to share their stories. And anybody out there who is experiencing this from their um, bosses, professors, deans, who are making them do something that they feel is unethical, they can come to us and contact us through this website and we will stand alongside you and help you. Because I know when you're in school, it there's too much to do. There's too much going on. You're too burnt out to fight these battles yourself. But we, we're prepared. We know how to fight these battles and we can do it in a compassionate way. Um, working alongside these institutions. We're not attacking anybody. We believe in nonviolence. Um, and we are all about um, working with these institutions to let them know that there is a more compassionate, better way to handle these problems. Um, so we encourage people, go to ourhonor.org, view the stories there that are shown, and contact us. You can either become a supporter and get linked with the rest of us, and help people who are facing these problems. Or if you are facing a challenge yourself, come let us know, um, tell us your story, and we will stand alongside you and help you out. Wow, I love that. Julie, if uh, a veterinary professional out there listening today is undergoing something that they just don't know how to cope with, how can they get in touch with you for help? 
Oh, yeah. Check out my website, www.rekindlesolutions.com. Yeah, well, I want to thank you both for sharing your stories and expertise. Uh, Dr. Heath, again, it's brave just to come on the podcast. Uh, you know, it's it's just shocking to me that our colleagues would treat another in this fashion. And, you know, we just wanted to lend you whatever support we can get. Viewfinders, have you encountered cyberbullying yourself, whether it's from the general public or from a colleague? If so, how do you handle it? How have you handled it? We'd really like to know what are the steps you take when you see some of that hate being flamed at you online. Do you just ignore it? Do you ban them? Do you block them? Do you just get into the trenches with them? I'd really love to hear from you. In a very nice tone of voice. Come and find us on Facebook at Veterinary Viewfinder and on Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder. You can also listen to us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. But if you happen to listen over on Apple, make sure you leave us a comment, a suggestion, what you want us to do, what you want to hear. And more than anything, just leave us those stars so everybody gets a chance to hear the content we're bringing to you. And Viewfinders, what are the tough topics that you want us to tackle? I mean, we've had some really good ones lately that were brought up by our listeners, just like this one, we want to thank you guys for all your loyalty almost four years now. And again, stay safe out there and give your pets a hug for me. Bye. 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 All right. That was a tough topic. I think we did it. <laughs>